Good morning, church. How about love for the preacher guy? <laughs> um, I'm actually battling a little bit of a cold, and so if I say something weird, make sure you come up to me afterwards and uh, ask ask a lot of questions. But uh, thank you all for coming out to service today. Um, the prospects of having service were kind of bleak with all the snow. Um, we're in New England. We're about two feet above average in in terms of snowfall and uh this is not normal if you're a freshman this is is not normal all right so next year you have better things to look forward to already in the upcoming week we're going to look ahead at 50 degree weather it's going to feel like summer (laughs) i know some of y'all going to go to class or even work in shorts um but in the meantime it was difficult and even for the pastors, it was kind of hard. And pastor, actually, I won't reveal who, but somebody, uh, somebody sent me this video. And I haven't watched Frozen yet. It's getting a little hyped up. I'm not, like, I'm kind of setting my bar low uh, when I get a chance to watch it. But he, he, this guy sent, sent me this video. In the midst of the snowfall, we feel like that. When we don't know, kind of awkward face to have in the background, but um, in the midst of uncertainty, when we don't know when the snow is going to end, we, it's, it's difficult to endure. It's difficult to, to believe that a spring is coming. Um, I don't know if you've seen this video, but this one viral is a little kid shoveling snow. He's shoveling, is not doing anything, and all he has left to do is look up to the sky and say, Jesus, make it warm. I'm feeding back a little. Jesus, make it warm. How do we react? How we react to things like the weather are a little indicative of how we react to things in life. When we're in the midst of winter, figuratively, how do we go through it? How do we really believe that a spring is coming? How, how do we live faithfully in the time in between? And we face a lot of uncertainty on a maybe daily basis, definitely uh, seasonally. We face uncertainty, ambiguity, ambiguity, and difficulty. And we all face diff- varying levels of that. We actually spend a lot of energy, time, and and money into protecting ourselves from uncertainty. um, If you're a student in Massachusetts, you have to be enrolled in health insurance. Uh, Some of you older folk with, with cars, you have car insurance. Maybe some of you even have life insurance. And I just recently found out you could get ring insurance for your engagement ring. I had no idea. It's to 
to defend yourself against uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen in the future in terms of your, even your physical body, your possessions. We, for you all students, you spend so much time trying to get the best grade so that you can secure a stable future. You go into the vocation that is the most stable, that has the most job opportunities. If not that, then you make sure you know what you want to do before you get into it. But these are, again, just measures to defend against uncertainty. What does it look for us as, as believers or those who profess to, to trust in God to go through uncertainty? And that's where we get to uh, our sermon series in Genesis. We're going to uh, read Genesis 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 15. We're going to mainly stay there. We're going to look a little bit in chapter 12. But Genesis 15. Would you uh, read along with me? Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Verse 6, And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we come before you and whether we want to admit it or not, we face a lot of situations where we are unsure, where we are uncertain, where things are ambiguous, where, where we have reason to doubt. We thank you for the examples in, in scripture. So we, we pray that even in this, uh, this story, this life, that we can glean biblical God-honoring wisdom in a way that we can live out in our daily lives, God. So, Lord, my plea is for your spirit to, to come down and work in a way that I cannot with my own words. We want testimonies of ways how you've convicted us through your word to live it out, not because of what I've said. We pray um, that you would allow us, all of us, to be transformed as a result of this time. And just like uh, we sang just a little bit ago, that we would love, love, love you a little bit more as a result of hearing from the word. We trust all things into your hands. We commit this time to you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm going to make two observations about Abram. This is Abraham before his name gets changed. Abram, his, his life, uh, he starts getting referred to at the end of chapter 11 and goes until chapter 17 when his name gets changed by God. God calls him to something new. And that's where um, Pastor Dan is going to pick up next Sunday. But we're going to look at the life of Abram. And there's two observations that we're going to make, going to apply to our lives, and uh, just really ask ourselves what it means to live it out. 
The first observation is that God calls and promises to bless Abram. God calls and promises to bless Abram. If we go back to chapter 12, God's first interaction with Abram is calling him out. Out of his place of comfort, all that he knew, God calls him away from it. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Go from your country and your kindred, so the people that are like you, and from your father's house where you grew up. Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house. And in verse 4, right after, it says that Abram left Haran. And Haran is possibly, literally a seat of idol worship, where a moon god was worshipped. So it's possible, uh, we're not 100% certain that God was calling him out of a pagan, pagan, pagan uh, worship background. God calls Abram to come out of that place. And what does he do after that? He calls him and he blesses him. God says, it might be difficult to see in the yellow text, God promises to give land to Abram. God promises to make a great nation out of him. God promises to bless Abram himself. God promised to make Abram's name great. His name actually means exalted father. And you'll have to see what happens when Abram, the ham is added to, to his name, what, what that really means next week. God promises to make Abram a blessing to others. Not only is he blessed himself, but he's going to be a giver of blessings, a source of blessings. God promised to bless those who bless Abram. So if you bless Abram, you get the blessing back. That's what God is going to do. He promises that. And then lastly, God promises to bless the entire world if anyone was not included in that group. God's going to bless the entire world through Abram. And then we get to chapter 15 where Abram has received these blessings and he has been traveling and trying to understand what, how God is going to fulfill these promises. In chapter 15, God re, reinforces that he, he will give offspring to Abram. He will give offspring to Abram. In verse 5, God brings Abram outside and says, Look to the heavens and number the stars, if you can, if you are able to number them. It's a rhetorical command. Look up, look up at the stars and try to count them. That's, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And later on, God will say, look at the sand. Try to count the grains. That's the number of descendants you will have. God is promising to give Abram offspring. And these promises are given unconditionally. There's no clause of, if you do this, if you are blank, then I will bless you with all these things. Land, blessing, like a great name, a great nation. But it's unconditional. Before Abraham, Abram, apologies, Abram does anything, good or bad, God says, I promise to give these things to you. Before Abram gets an opportunity to try to win over God's favor and say, I deserve these promises, God promises these blessings to Abram. Blessings beyond his comprehension. God calls Abram and promises to bless Abram. That's the first observation. The second observation is that God shows 
God shows his commitment to fulfill his promises to Abram. God shows his commitment to fulfill his promises to Abram. Abram is 75 years old when, when he gets called. This is not a likely source of offspring, 75 years old. And in chapter 15, the passage that we're focusing on today, God tells Abram, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Your reward shall be very great. At least in my experience, you don't tell somebody, fear not, unless they're afraid. If Abram wasn't afraid, he wasn't uncertain, unsure, doubting, God would not have to say these things. And it's, it's made clear by Abram's response. What does Abram say? Your reward shall be very great. God gives him that. And Abram says, O Lord God, what will you give me? What will you give me? And then verse 3, I continue to be childless. At the very least, Abram is uncertain. He hasn't seen any evidence that offspring are coming his way. And Abram here is possibly expressing doubt, anxiety, maybe even anger or blaming God. God says, your reward shall be very great. And I know if I were in issues, I'd go, really? Do you see my wife? She's not in the prime range of years for childbearing. I've lived 75 years and I have yet to see a son, uh, an heir, where I can, the blessing that you give to me, that I can give to my descendants. And he's looking at the hard evidence. And what does God do? He shows his, his commitment. He shows a sign to Abram in the same way. And I love the way that Moses writes it. Right after Abram expresses his uncertainty, God says, And behold, hold up. I mean, Moses writes this. Behold, hold up for a second. Look here. The word of the Lord came to Abram. This man, Eliezer, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And that's when he takes him out and says, Look up at the stars. Every time you question if that promise is going to be fulfilled. Look up at the stars. Try to count them. God gives him a visual sign to remember that God is committed to fulfilling these promises. Next thing that God shows Abram is that God, God reminds Abram who he is, who God is. Verse 7, he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. I am the one who called you from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house so that I could give you these promises, so that I can bless you, so that you can be a blessing. I am that Lord. But Abram is still not fully convinced. He says in verse 8, O Lord God, how am I to know? 
How am I to know? I know that in my head that you are that God, but how am I to know? And this is the most significant piece of uh, chapter 15. And God shows his commitment to fulfill his promises through making a covenant, through making a covenant with Abram. In verse, verses 9 and 10, it gets, at least for us as modern-day readers, we don't know what is going on. God says, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And, he brought, and Abram brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. What is happening here? Uh, if you remember a couple, couple weeks back, Pastor Dan re- referenced this passage. But in the ancient Near East, during the Old Testament time, covenants were more than a promise, more than a verbal agreement. They were a binding contract, a, 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 almost a political, legal um, agreement that was written down. And it was confirmed by doing this ritual, by cutting these animals in half. The cutting of animals was to essentially represent what would happen to the parties involved in the covenant if they were to break it. Usually covenants had stipulations, conditions that each side had to uphold. And normally the the body parts of the animals are laid side side by side and the, the people involved, the parties involved walk in between these cut animals. And it's to pretty much say, whatever happened to these animals, if I break this covenant, may it happen to me. May it happen to me. And the amazing thing about this covenant that God makes, a a visual sign, an oath He makes to Abram, similar to the promises He made in chapter 12, is that it's unconditional. Who is it that walks in between? It's only God. In verse 17, it says, The sun had gone down, it was dark, and behold, a, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. In Exodus 19, 18, it says that the same word for smoking is used there when God is about to give the Israelites the Ten Commandments, the law that they were to obey. God's presence was at Sinai, and, and Moses writes that Sinai was smoking. So when Moses writes here that a smoking pot passed between the animals, he's pointing at God. A flaming torch is also similar vocabulary as Exodus twenty eighteen, where it says there were flashes of lightning after the law was given, after the Ten Commandments were given. So it's God alone walking in between the animals. So he is confirming to Abram, hey, if I don't fulfill these promises, whatever happened to these animals, may it happen to me. God swears by the most important thing at his disposal, which is himself. He says, if I break this promise to you, this covenant to you. I'm on the line. And my word is good. Good for it. I'm going to fulfill 
my commitment, my promises, my covenant to you. God swears by the most valuable, important thing to him, which is himself. So these two observations that God calls us, calls Abram to, and promises him to bless him, is also an observation that we can make about our lives. God calls us and promises us to bless us. The second observation that God shows his commitment to fulfill his promises in Abram is also for us. God is committed. He shows his commitment to fulfill his promises to us through a covenant, a different type of covenant, a new covenant in the person of Jesus. God gives over what was the most valuable possession, the most important being at his, at his disposal to express his commitment of faithfulness to you, the desire to, to be in relationship with you, a desire to bless you and make you a blessing to others. He gives over Jesus Christ, his humble birth, his perfect life, his horrible death, and his glorious resurrection. If you believe, he gives that to you. The new covenant, we reflected on it at at the Young Adult Retreat, it's an unconditional promise for those who believe that God will put his spirit in you and help you to obey every command every law in scripture. So, in the life of Abram, in his uncertainty, just in the area of offspring, we're going to see that if, if you go on your own, just read the story, it's a couple of chapters. Even though God expresses himself in this way, he's still going to doubt. He's going to actually mess up a couple of times. But God is committed to him. God decides to call him out uh, out of his own volition, out of his country, his kindred, his father's home, to his promises. And the same for us. He wants to call us out of, of darkness and into marvelous light so that we would be blessed in order to be a blessing to the world, that this world we transformed by the way we live out our relationship with our God. So just two applications. One is, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but it's believe. And really believe. And practically, I would say remember three things. Remember exactly what God has promised to you in Scripture exactly what God has promised to to all believers in Scripture. Secondly, remember that God swears by the most important thing available to Him, to Jesus, that He is with you, for you. He's going to sanctify you. He's going to bring you to a place of glory with Him. And thirdly, remember, believe, that any, certain, any uncertainty you face right now is only temporary. Is only temporary. 2 Corinthians four seventeen to 18 reads, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
beyond all comparison. So first, application, believe. Second, express your doubts. Express your doubts. If anyone, Abram had a lot of reasons to doubt. Abram had plenty of reasons to doubt. But he doesn't keep it to himself, but he goes to the correct person. Like that child in in the beginning in the video. He's shoveling snow, and maybe he doesn't know anything, but somehow he connects. The snow came from God. I'm going to go to the source of this, what I think is a problem. Jesus, make it warm. He's going to the right person. A lot of you all are facing doubt and not expressing it to God, not even giving it over to God. Are you giving space for God to say, for the word of the Lord, right? That's what scripture said. The word of the Lord came to him and says, I am the Lord who called you out. Remember that. And this is how I'm going to fulfill my promises in scripture. Express your doubts. In Hebrews 11, this is you know, considered the hall of fame in the Bible, the hall of faith. Let's read together. Verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And specifically to the person of Abram slash Abraham. Verse 8, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Did you know that? God just said, there's a land I've prepared for you. Go. I'll take you there. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And I love, love this part in verse 12. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars in heaven as an, as, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. One man who is as good as dead. God doesn't choose any of us because we've proven anything to him, because we've merited his promises, his blessings. But he says, hey you, you're as good as dead spiritually without me. I'm going to call you out of darkness and into my marvelous light for you to experience joy inexpressible, to experience blessings beyond your comprehension, descendants, spiritual descendants, as innumerable as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand. As good as dead. Uh, you know, the Young Adult Retreat, I don't know if you all, you all are feeling it, but I, I feel retreat withdrawal. Um, and I have to confess that 
a couple years back, uh, Pastor Dan and I were given the choice, um, college ministry, young adult ministry. So now you can imagine what would have happened if, if the roles were, were switched. And I would like to say that I fought and said, I, I want young adult ministry. But the reality is that I was scared. There were a lot of expectations that um, were already out in the open. People were complaining. There's, there was no young adult ministry prior uh, to, to me overseeing it for about two years. Um, I don't know why, but when I was praying, the only image I got was like a pretty nice chair, but like a blazing fire underneath it. Like whoever's going to sit there has to take a lot of heat and criticism. And I was like, God, like, I really don't want that. <laughs> but are you calling me to it? And surely he said yes. Um, but this group photo, which, which I will share, I know like, some of you are like, hey, where do you get that? But I will share this. I've been looking at this a lot because, not because the ministry has physically changed all that much, But where we have come, even in the span of three, uh, four years, has been beyond my comprehension. This, you know, this past retreat, logistically, I think it was kind of a mess. And some of you have said, oh, it felt so seamless. And I'm like laughing inside because that's a joke. That's a mockery. Because what really happened is that God was faithful I don't know why, but God showed his favor upon this retreat. And we did this activity uh, for you all uh, who didn't get to go to the retreat. We did this activity called Pilgrim's Progress, and it's based on the classic Christian book by John Bunyan. And we did uh, an exercise of confession, and uh, I still have this, and I'm going to pray for all the young adults. But the exercise was for those who were there to confess their sin on a post-it anonymously. But for every person um, to take a little sticker dot and to put it on the post-it and pray for it. And um, it, was, it was powerful. I didn't know it was going to be so emotional. And some of you accused us of trying to manipulate your feelings. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't. But when I look at that, on the human side, it's, God, you have no reason to use this, this ministry. You have no reason to use anyone here. Yet he does. Yet he does. And right now, some of you all are feeling that there are situations and circumstances that are so beyond your power beyond your control, that seems so uncertain, that you feel so much doubt in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul, that you don't know, to you, you're, you're like crippled and unable to take any sort of action. But remember that God has called you. God promises to bless you. And the evidence of that, He shows us with Jesus, primarily through the cross. I reference this verse all the time, but if he who did not even 
withhold his, his very own son, how will he not also give you everything else you need for faithfulness? And that's a paraphrase of Romans 8.32. In Jesus, it's God's complete promise to say, I am with you. I'm going to bring you to completion. You are a saint in my eyes. You are righteous. In, in verse 6 of our passage, it says, Abraham, Abram believed and God counted it as righteousness. It didn't say, Abram did everything right and then God counted it as righteousness. No, Abram believed. He messed up, but he believed. He was going to mess up, but he believed and is counted to him as righteousness. What makes you right with God is whether you trust him. So the applications of believe and express your doubts to God, may that be true of our church. Amen? Let's, um, let's pray together. God, um, this church has nothing to claim before you except a testimony that you use broken people, doubting people for your kingdom purposes. Lord, if you could use people like Abram, you can use people like me. If you call Abram out of his darkness, out of even his place of comfort, you can call me. God, you promise to bless Abram, and we are spiritually descendants of Abraham. So we pray, God, that even in this short time of worship, that it would start to shape our identity more and more to be called people, to be people who are um, promised by God, and people who you are committed to. We thank you that you spoke in a way that Abram understood in terms of that, that legal agreement, the, the, the contract of a covenant. So, Father, we come before you and we plead on behalf of, of one another that you would speak to each and every person here in a way that's relevant and real and true and deep how you are so committed to us. So, Father, we pray that Scripture would guide us into seeing what those promises are. And the Spirit would help us, enable us to to really believe and trust. And where our human faculties come in, the uncertainty, the doubt, the complaining, the grumbling, and even blaming you, God, that at least we would do it in your presence. And God, where we need to be corrected, correct us. Where we need to be uh, comforted, Comfort us. Heal us, God. Lord, do whatever is necessary to make us more and more like the people who will receive your inheritance. So, Father, we pray in the remainder of this time together, through song, through the giving of our tithes and offerings, and even the town hall afterwards, will be an expression, a a boasting that we have a God who uses imperfect people and an imperfect church to accomplish His glory. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.